Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. He was the sort of man who would go after Moby Dick with a rowboat, a harpoon, and a jar of tartar sauce. What I want to know is, did you like go online and... No, I've had these for ages. You know, when I see something that makes me laugh or I think is profound (laughs) or stupid, I save it. Then I pull them up. You are beautiful. (laughs) You are beautiful. Friends, we would be a monochrome ministry were it not for the color of Craig McConnell. Personality. We would be a black and white photograph were it not for the... I got dozens more. (laughs) Beautiful Outlaw endorsed this. You've stumbled into the Ransomed Heart studio. We actually are going to podcast this morning. This is the conclusion, friends, of a series that Jesus led us into on leadership. And I want to read something. Every time I wonder to myself... What does maturity look like? What does leadership look like? What's the life of a a man or a woman that's kind of, you know, walked a number of years now with Christ, been given a realm to rule over, you know, increased authority, opportunity? What does that look like? So here's Paul describing his own life. This is 2 Corinthians 11. And he's pretty upset because there's a, you know, it's a group of people that are challenging, you know, kind of his authority as an apostle and just challenging his character, challenging his qualification, his credentials, and, you know, setting up other men kind of against Paul. And he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? And then he says... In parentheses, I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly burn. We had to get to this. Mm -hmm. Here in our last podcast, we had to get to 
some honest conversation about the cost of leadership. Yeah. It would be unkind, mm-hmm. I think, and unrealistic not to address this. And there's just certain things that Christ kind of spares you from early in your Christian experience. And I think even early in leadership, you know, and there's just certain things he doesn't tell you until you've been in it for a while. Or you're so young and energized and caught up in your gifting and calling, you just blast through things. Yeah. Yeah. So, friends, I think in a spirit of empathy, in a spirit of compassion for those of you in particular who know something of the cost of leadership, we just wanted to offer some of our experience and thoughts and some counsel on that. John, I think throughout this series, we've talked about everyone has a realm of leadership. So the cost can vary according to the realm as Mm -hmm. well in some Mm -hmm. degree. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if you want to make a distinction there, but it feels like there's a cost of being a disciple, just being a believer. Right. And then we're talking now that the minute you take point in any realm, some things are going to increase as a result of that. Mm -hmm. And given the role, the realm, you have probably just additional costs or Mm -hmm. impacts. Yes, there is. And it's good to name it. And it's good to see it within a larger context as well. It's just part of taking the lead. I think loneliness would be one that every leader would take a deep breath and give a long sigh to, yeah, just the loneliness of it. Immediately, you are separated from those you are leading. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's fun to be in the fellowship. It's great to be in the band of brothers. But as soon as you become the leader, it changes the dynamic of every relationship, at least those within the community that you're leading. And and therefore, one of the pieces of counsel we'd give is it's really good to have fellowship with other leaders mm-hmm. outside your realm. I know many pastors have been intentional about just trying to meet with other pastors. Frankly, I get together a couple times a year with another writer, another author who's published and well-known and just swap notes just Mm. to talk about what it's like to live that life. So we're not describing someone who's in your realm Mm -hmm. because that's the loneliness piece. There's just certain things you can't share with people anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a separation there. Yeah, John, when you say loneliness, could you flush out just a a little bit more? I mean, I get how um, the loneliness of the circle you are leading tends to look to its leader as a source of fueling direction, strength, and playing that role. It's often hard to be anything other than the fueler, the one who's offering strength and direction. Is that what you're hitting on? Uh, partly. Partly um, there's the loneliness of people do not know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen to Paul's life. You know, that's not the life of the average Christian, right? That's the life of a leader, the sleeplessness, the hunger, the ache for the people he's leading, the dangers that he's in, dangers from friends, dangers from foe. You know, there's a new experience level that people who are not in your position simply don't understand. 
and you're faced with it almost daily in their questions, in the way that they mishandle you. There is just a gap of experience. And again, man, we're going to have to walk so carefully through this because, you know, what you don't want to shift over into is poor me. Right. You don't even want to make agreements with nobody gets me. Right. Nobody knows what it's like. We're walking a knife's edge here in this podcast because you have to admit that when you operate in a leadership realm, your experience becomes very, very different from the experience of the people that are with you and under you. It just is. And so there's a loneliness to that. They simply don't know that, you know, until they're in your shoes, they don't know what it's like. But then there's also the loneliness of when you move into that position, there's a certain level of confidentiality that you have to operate in, stories that get shared with you in confidence, information you're privy to. Also, frankly, even the level of warfare that you face, you have to be careful how much you say. You have to be careful what you talk about. And so that, Craig, adds to the loneliness of it. There's a separation. There's a gulf. There's a chasm there. And It's pretty rare for leaders to find fellowships of leaders, Mm -hmm. the busyness, the demands, that kind of thing. And so that's what I mean about loneliness. Tacking on to that, one thought I wrote down was just simply how much of leadership is obscure and unglamorous. I mean, as you're saying, people don't know what you bear, what you know. They don't fully get or are there for you. And so much of that, what you face as a leader, it simply requires just enormous energy of prayer, just finding God, walking, coming to him, reflecting, Mm -hmm. being attentive to your hearts with things that unfold and are happening that no one sees. I mean, all of that's kind of obscure and unseen, but... The cost of leadership is a, a lifestyle of of taking these things to God, being replenished in ways that you didn't need to be before. It's unseen. Exactly. And that actually adds to the loneliness. Mm-hmm. There, there's a level of holiness that's required. More on that in a minute. There's a level of prayer mm-hmm. that's required. Um, there are certain things that Others might be free to enjoy and engage in that you no longer are free to enjoy and engage in just because of what's required of you. I think that's huge, Craig. I mean, the more that we're naming these things, Mm -hmm. it is a phenomenal privilege. Mm -hmm. We've got to keep this within the context of the larger story, this knife edge that, you know, it is a phenomenal privilege, the things that we're describing. But it does require greater times of prayer greater times of solitude. And again, those things place your experience outside the realm of most other people's experience, Mm -hmm. right? It just does. And so who do you talk to about that stuff? Who do you process that with? That can feel very lonely, but then the enemy jumps all over it. And so you've got to be really careful with agreements that, you know, woe is me and no one understands my life. And you can start 
making agreements with overwhelming sorrow, isolation, and I pray against those things because I don't want to make agreements yes. with that, yeah. right? I mean, you have to recognize when you are the leader of anything, the head of a household, the, you know, the manager of, of a division in a company, you know, coach of a team, a teacher, anything, Girl Scout leader, anything. You take the first hits and you take the biggest mm -hmm. hits for the most part, not mm -hmm. always, but strike the shepherd and the sheep mm -hmm. will be scattered, mm -hmm. right, as the scripture says. And so, you know, because you're on point, I'm thinking of Hal Moore in the story, we were soldiers once, and kind of the philosophy of the the paratroopers, the officers, the first on the field and the last off. Yeah. And so when your point, you take the first hits, you take the biggest hits. Yeah. The warfare would be another realm of talking about the cost of, of leadership. Yeah, yeah. I almost had verbatim the same thought on loneliness that you are, by definition, you're isolated to some degree. What's that old saying? A leader's just ahead of the group he's leading. Too far, you're a martyr just the right space year later. Right. And uh, in terms of the cost of leadership, I was just thinking about a leader's going to be out in front and a leader's going to be going into new ground, new territory, uh, working with all kinds of different people, with all different kinds of sin and brokenness. And being a leader is going to put you close to darkness in people's lives, mm -hmm. in the culture, mm -hmm. in the church, and families, whatever, whatever realm you're in. I mean, being close, if you're leading people to sin, to brokenness, to culture, creates a temptation for the leader over mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. The brokenness, the vulnerabilities of people become a temptation to him. On the other side of that, there's the temptation to just give quick and easy answers. As Jeremiah says, the priests say, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Mm -hmm. They treat the wound of my people as though it is not serious. Yeah. yeah. The other is kind of the ongoing problem of God's people's assimilation in the culture they're around. So we either kind of become the culture or we become a distracted kind of culture warrior but the cost of leadership is you're being close to things that can destroy you yep. and things that can steal your heart, take your heart, are venues through which the enemy works, and you can fall. And so you mentioned that kind of razor's edge, and we all have stories of fallen leaders, leaders who don't finish well. And I just think of that passage in Luke that we weigh the cost of a battle before we enter into it. At some point, you recognize my being a leader, my being point, my moving into some new realm is exposing me to forces and things that can destroy me. You better. You better weigh that. You better be aware of that. I had a horrible night last night and nightmares, spiritual warfare, but what made the nightmares in particular so awful was that they were corruption, mm. that they were some form or other of compromise, unholiness. And, and the grief mm -hmm. you know, that that can bring 
this is a cost the leader bears. You're going to get hit with this stuff because, again, take the leader down. You can take take the whole thing down. And so, right, the temptations that you're going to be beset with. And obviously, you know, the obvious ones, sexually, greed, pride, arrogance, those temptations not only include the obvious ones that you hear about in the stories of the big falls, but the less obvious ones like resentment or an intellectual or spiritual superiority, just kind of a quiet superiority that, of course, your decisions are the better decisions. Of course, your opinions are the better opinions. You You may tolerate, you may even include other people's input, advice. You look like a team player, but the temptation that gets in is, frankly, you're not. You know, there's about the temptation of irritation Mm -hmm. and what we talked about in the last podcast, the temptation to offense, right? Taking offense, being offended. So, yes, Craig, just the realm of temptation. And again, as we name each one of these things, they all add to that first category of loneliness Mm -hmm. because who can you talk to about that? And who can you share those kinds of things with without creating undue alarm or just simply they don't get you, they don't understand that, right? I think one of the things that I got tempted and fell into in a season in my pastoral life, John, was was just being so overwhelmed with the brokenness and hurt of people that I get distracted from bringing Jesus and the gospel to bringing help, to being the helper, the healer, but apart from God. Yes. Just, it's pretty tempting and easy to slide into as a leader, kind of back to one of our earlier segments of efficiency, effectiveness, results. I want this person walking out feeling better. I want this time to go well. And just kind of slide into the shtick. The pull to come through. Right? Isn't that what you're describing? Just the incredible pull. And part of it's, again, part of it's out of your good heart. Part of it, frankly, is out of what people are asking of you, their pull on you Mm -hmm. to come through, you know, your ache over brokenness or whatever it is that you're battling, you know, for justice or for truth. You know, the ache that people see, people get it. Yeah, the danger is the pull to give way to come through. Mm Mm-hmm. I think another big and surprising category, I think surprising because I don't know that we've dealt with it honestly in the church, is the category of casualties. Hmm. If we believe that we are, in fact, involved in a savage war, Mm -hmm. it's a savage war that we're involved in, there will be casualties. and. This can really break the heart of the tender leader. It can also confuse and confound, and it can harden your heart as well. This is a difficult thing that there will be loss. There are some relationships that are going to suffer because of this, and Mm -hmm. there are some that will be irrecoverable. Mm -hmm. There are some people that you're leading who will get taken out. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, my goodness, the parable of the sower and the seed. Yeah, I, you know. I was thinking that too. Yeah. Go on. That Jesus is describing himself. 
he later identifies himself, I am the sower and the seed is the word of God, yes. right? So this is Jesus self-describing and he says, yeah, 75% yeah. get taken out, you know, some because of the word just gets snatched away and some because the cares of this world and some because of pleasure and but the seed that fell on good soil. Man, this can be brutal on the heart of a leader, just the casualty rates, just the attrition that you experience, people falling away, people literally getting taken out. And oh my goodness, one, just to recognize what did you expect? This is war. There's a very powerful scene, actually, and I'm thinking suddenly of the movie U-571, where the junior officer desperately wants to be given command of his own submarine, and he is passed over by his supervisor, and he tells him why. And he says, the reason why is you're not ready to make the hard calls. Hmm. There are hard calls that need to be made in war. You're so attached to your men, he says, the danger is the point's going to come where you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to accept that some will be lost. This is war. So just to recognize that, to name that, we're not inviting it. We're not wishing for it. But there will be casualties. And quite often it has nothing to do with your leadership. Now, if it does, may Christ help us see that, you know, and deal with it. I'm not talking about some of the carnage we've discussed earlier with flawed leaders, but there will be casualties. Can you take that? Can you deal with that? And we can lead from kind of an energy to either avoid casualties, which isn't good leadership. exactly, Or we can let the casualties that are inevitable just totally spin us off into some odd trajectory of surviving and just shutting down a strong leadership core. Oh, I think so, because people are going to blame you for it, Mm -hmm. especially when you operate in a whole realm of people who aren't even acknowledging an enemy, you know. It can break your heart, it can harden your heart, and neither is a good place to land. Friends, you've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast, a series on leadership with John Eldridge and Craig McConnell. And we are going to pick this up next time because the things that we're hitting on, I know, are resonating deeply with many, many of you. So stay tuned for more. 